Two weeks ago, when I was preparing to the sermon on the widow and the unjust judge, which finishes with the phrase, pray unceasingly for justice for God's chosen people, I wondered who Luke thought God's chosen people were. So I hunted around in the Gospel of Luke and found this passage that we heard this morning, not knowing that actually it was this week's Gospel reading. So I was a little surprised on Tuesday when I saw what the options were, and well, there it was. The passage we heard this morning is Luke's equivalent to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, except there's no mount. And this passage is, well, a whole lot of people think it's not as good. I think Matthew really did get it right because Matthew talks about the poor in spirit and those who hunger and thirst for God. That's a whole lot more engageable, isn't it? We can really get into those who are poor in spirit and hunger and thirst for God, but Luke doesn't have a bar of that kind of stuff. He just has the poor, the hungry, those who despair, those who are persecuted. Now, one of the problems with us when we read a reading like this is that we're sitting in a nice church like this, and most of us aren't poor, and it's all very abstract. It's about people out there somewhere else. And we forget that when Jesus was telling the story, when he was saying these things, he was actually face to face with two groups of people. One group were the poor and one group were the rich. <coughs> so these aren't abstract ideas that, people, that Jesus is talking about. These are people Jesus is talking to you. So when Jesus says, Blessed you who are poor, it's like me talking to you and saying, Blessed you who are poor, face to face. And it was poor people who were hearing what he was saying. Now these people did not feel blessed. They did not feel like God paid them much attention. If somebody had said to them that they were part of God's chosen people, they would have said, yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. Not a clue. You guys just haven't got a clue. So when Jesus says to them, blessed are you who are poor, this is revolutionary stuff. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who despair, who weep. These are the people Jesus is talking to. And he's saying, you are blessed. You are important to God. God is paying attention. You are amongst those who God cares for. Despite all the evidence, despite what people say to you, I am telling you, you are blessed. Now, in the Gospels, there's always three groups of people, three audiences. And we can see two of those audiences this morning. There's always the audience that Jesus is talking to in the story. And then there's the audience of the community that the Gospel writer is writing from and to. In this case, Luke's community, which was starting to undergo persecution. And so then Luke has Jesus say, 
Blessed are you who are reviled, who are persecuted, who are kicked out, because that's their experience. That is what's happening to them now in terms of their involvement in the synagogue and their involvement in life. They are starting to come under some serious pressure. And they are starting to think, are we really God's blessed people? So Luke has Jesus saying, and blessed are you. So who's the third audience? We are. We are the third audience. So there are always these three audiences. So how is Jesus saying, blessed are you to us this morning? It's a question you can just keep hold of. Now, if Jesus had stopped there, this would be quite a good reading. And we could feel quite warm and fuzzy about it. But Jesus carries on. And he says, woe to you who are happy. Woe to you who are full. Woe to you who are wealthy. Woe to you who are well thought of. Now that's fairly problematic because I think most of us here would think that those things are things that are really what uh, you would understand to be signs of God's blessing. And I would suspect that most of us kind of hanker after most of those things. Most of us like to have enough money. Uh, Some of us dream of having a little bit more money. Most of us, or some of us, buy lotto tickets every now and again, and as we hold that ticket, we dream of what we might do with all those millions. At 27 millions or 31 million, we might have won. How we might have spent it, how generous we would have been. Most of us like to be happy. Most of us like to have enough food and occasionally eat too much. And I would suspect that all of us like to be well thought of. I certainly do. I hope you all think well of me. And if you don't, I hope you don't tell me. Because I like to keep that illusion. And we would hope that Jesus would say, Blessed are you who are all of those things. But Jesus doesn't. He says, Woe to you are all of those things. Now the important thing about the blessings and the woes in this is not to get confused with that these things are bad per se or good per se. So in the blessings, Jesus was not saying, A, that I'm going to fix these overnight. Although there is the hope that eventually they would be fixed. Nor was he saying that being poor, hungry, or in despair or persecuted was a good thing. He was saying, blessed are you who are going through these things. So God is looking after you, not that these things are necessarily good things. So on the flip side, being wealthy, happy, full, thought well of, is not necessarily bad per se, but it is bad for what happens to us. It's bad because when we are those things, then we forget who we are, that we are God's chosen people, and those things become important for their own sake. Now, tied up in all of this is Jesus 
reflecting back and saying, this is like the prophets of old. The prophets of old. Last week I talked about these prophets and what being a prophet was about. Being a prophet was seeing the world through God's eyes. Not telling a future that was far off and predicting what would happen, but seeing the world as it is now through God's eyes. And so the prophets were generally not very popular people because they kept telling it like it was through God's eyes. And the false prophets, well, they were the ones, especially when Israel was under pressure from Babylonians, Assyrians, and Egyptians, and other invading armies who would say, God will protect us, we don't have to do anything, God's on our side, it's all going to be great. So they were the ones that tended to be rewarded by the king, so they were happy and wealthy and well-fed and thought well of. And the prophets kept saying, oh, woe to us, we're about to be thumped. Uh, They tended to not be well-fed, very wealthy, uh, not well thought of, and not well-fed. In fact, Jeremiah ended up living in a well. He didn't choose to live in a well. He was put in a well. So Jesus is saying, those of you who are poor and hungry and despairing, you are like the prophets. And those of you who are wealthy, you are like the false prophets. One group can still see the world through God's eyes. One group can't. And then if he'd stopped there, that might have been could have lived with that, but he carries on and he tells some more stuff about how we're supposed to pray for those who hate us and not fight our enemies, and we're supposed to, if somebody steals from us, well, say, well, you stole my cloak, here's my shirt. And if people steal all your stuff, you're supposed to say, well, that's fine, you can keep it because you probably need it more than I do, and all the rest of it. Uh, And beggars. That's the one that sticks in my mind whenever I'm overseas and there's lots of beggars, and that you should give to everyone who begs from you. And I think there are so many, and if I did, I'd have no money left, but maybe that's the point. Maybe if I did that, I would start seeing the world through God's eyes. In the end, that's what all this is about, seeing the world through God's eyes. So let's just pause for a moment and think about blessings and woes and where we are and what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is saying to us this morning. Today we celebrate... All saints and all souls. In the New Testament, saints referred to everyone, all those who followed the way of Jesus. But when the persecution started, the phrase kind of got narrowed down to those who particularly suffered martyrdom for the cause of the way of Christ. And so saints became the martyrs, the red saints. And then when the persecutions kind of eased off, uh, it broadened out again, but this time it referred to the great people of faith, the people we look up to and and are inspired by, and some ways uh, seek to emulate people like George and Francis and others, the white martyrs. And so that was the saints. And over the first eight centuries... The 1st of November became a day when the church, the whole church, east and west, 
would stop and would remember the great saints. And so All Saints is on the 1st of November, which was Friday. In the English church, All Saints was All Hallows. And All Hallows Eve was on the 31st of October. And All Hallows Eve got kind of smushed together into Halloween. It's kind of interesting to see how this eve of this great festival of the great saints of the church kind of got smushed into something that's about uh, scary witches and chocolates. I'm not entirely sure when or how that happens. I'll just blame America for that. (laughs) But then people thought, well, there's the great saints, but what about all the others? All the little saints, the nameless saints, the people who lived saintly lives, people who lived lives of faith. When do we remember them? And so around about the 12th or 13th century, the 2nd of November, became the day when we remembered all the souls who lived in the faith of Christ. So that was yesterday. So today we remember the great saints, the little saints, the nameless saints, the people who have lived lives of faith. Today also we remember the saints in our lives, those who have shaped and moulded us to be who we are today, the people who have gone before us, the people who have gone before us in this parish over the last 130 years, the people who have gone before us in the church in this land over the last 200 years. The people who have gone before us for the last 2,000 years. But in particular, the people that we have known and loved. Who we still remember. Whose memory still inspires us in some way. Who we still miss in some way. Today is an opportunity for us to pause and to give thanks for their lives the influence that they have had on us, to reflect on how we honour them and how we live our lives, and to wonder who it is that we influence with our lives. Who will gather in a place like this in years to come and remember us and give thanks for our lives? What will our legacy be? And how will it honour those who we remember today? In a moment we are going to uh, invite you up to light a candle for those who we give thanks for today. There are two candles uh, that I will light. The white one is for the clergy, who the priests who have died in the last year. And the red one, which I think is the much more important one, is for the children who have died in the last year. The children in this country, but also in particular the children in Syria and in Pakistan. And those who still continue to live under the threat of violence and death. So let us pause and remember those we love. Those we give thanks for this day.